Hello, I'm Garrett Gabriel. This is Talking Points. Talking Points is a podcast that I'm putting together just so I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. Um, A lot of it's going to be focused on current events, Um, like for instance today we are doing coronavirus. This is going to be part one of a four-part series about the coronavirus. Um, Today is going to be what is the coronavirus, how dangerous is it. I'm going to get into things like total deaths, We'll, we'll look at that comparatively to some other things. We're going to look at total number of cases and deaths. You know, why is it so high? Is it testing? Um, Is it misclassifying things as COVID? Is everything called COVID? Um, Looking at pre-existing conditions, just trying to get a general picture of this disease. Now, before I jump into that, I I want to tell you this. um, Talking Points, my podcast, it's supposed to be objective. And because it's objective, there's a lot of points on here where you're not going to agree. Um, you know, I'm from Camp Midwest, uh, the Midwest, Salina specifically. I know if a lot of people in my area listen to this, they won't agree with a lot of what I have to say. So if you're really looking to listen to a podcast that reinforces exactly what you already believe, um, probably turn this off because I'm going to do my best to challenge both sides at least a little bit. Um, and you know, it's not going to go past me that most people, uh, won't agree. So Again, listen to this just knowing that um, I'm going to do my best to answer your questions um, and respond, but I'm not going to just say things that you want to hear. Um, A lot of times podcasts or news or fake news specifically aims at a targeted audience and they say exactly what that audience wants to hear because then they get lots of clicks and views and everybody can be really happy in their echo chamber. Um, That is not the point of this podcast. So let's get into it. The coronavirus, how dangerous is it? Um, So right now in Kansas, we're sort of looking at this really big um, spike in cases and around the United States, it's, I mean, it's up a lot. So right now our total numbers are in the 250,000 death mark range. So I'm just going to call that 250,000 at the time of this recording on 11-24-2020. Now, when we look at that, there's a lot of things we're going to get into. um, So don't jump ahead of me too much. Well, it's because of the testing. Well, it's because it's not, you know, we're going to take this piece at a time. Um, So the first thing that I want to do is because for whatever reason, the benchmark has become the flu, we need to take a look at how this compares to the flu. So the 250,000 deaths from coronavirus, um, when we look yearly at the flu, we see that um, last year in 2019, it was 34,000. And that number ranges anywhere from, I think, like 20 to 60. Now, what you have to remember is that the coronavirus and the flu, a lot of people are saying those are the same thing. And the symptoms, uh, at least what people tend to say that they experience, can be very similar, but they can also be very different. Um, Now, when you want to compare this to the flu and you say, okay, well, it could be the flu. Well, 250 versus 34, obviously, it, before we get into everything else, that those numbers suggest a very different level of danger. But also you have to remember that 250,000 is with precautions that we took this year. So that reached 250,000 with all of the masks and the distancing and the shutdowns um, and businesses being closed and everything else. And you have to remember also that that started at about zero saturation, meaning we had basically no cases in March-ish, whatever that was. I don't know if our first case was February, March. The point is it started basically at zero and has managed to launch to the stratosphere from there. Um, Now, I know 
that a lot of people want to talk about, you know, why we have so many cases. And they think that um, the testing is, is our main reason for our number of cases, one of the main two reasons. And that is a very interesting theory. Um, on surface, it does make sense. You know, we've got more tests, therefore more cases. Um, but you also have to look at it two different ways. First of all, the more cases of something you have, the more you have to test for it. Um, it's not just a one-way street. Um, second being that that would be accurate if we weren't seeing an increase in percentage of positive tests. Meaning, originally we tested 100 people and we found one person with coronavirus. And we say, okay, great. Well, then we double the testing. Um, however, for every 100 people that we test, we're finding three positive cases. So people will say, well, we're testing so many more people. Correct, but the number of positive cases per 100 that we're finding is increasing. So then the next week, we're testing 400, but we're finding four per 100. And then it's 1,000, but it's five per 1,000. So when you look at the total percentage of positives versus the total number of cases, you can see that they're not just throwing these tests around to every single person ever for no reason. And if we just tested more, um, in theory, you know, if we, if we went from 100 to 1,000, but our total cases positive per 100 dropped, then we could say, okay, well, we're just testing more for no reason. Um, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. Uh, the other thing that you have to remember with this um, testing, increasing the numbers argument is a lot of people want to seem to have their cake and eat it too with this disease, meaning they want to say that we've got a lot of positive cases because we test so much. And then they also want to claim that the disease just really isn't that dangerous because it has a very low um, percentage of deaths, low, I mean, versus, I don't even know what, when they say it's 1% or whatever somebody considers low. Um, but what you have to realize is if we tested significantly less and say we only tested very sick people for this virus, people who were going to be hospitalized, people who are dying, what you would find is that the death rate would go up a lot. <laughs> like if we, instead of testing, you know, the hundred people who might have it, we only tested the the seven that were in the hospital and two of those people died, well, all of a sudden, you know, your your death rate's going to go up a lot. So you have to remember, the total number of tests we're doing is giving us more cases. But if we didn't do that, the the death rate would rise. So again, that that's sort of, um, it seems like people want to ride both lines of that fence and kind of get the best of, best of both worlds. Now, I do believe that the virus is becoming less dangerous as we learn more about it and how to treat it. And that seems to be um, the consensus, but let's just go ahead and move on for now to the next point. Um, is this are, are other diseases getting classified as COVID for money? Like, are, are, are we just calling everything COVID? Is everything COVID? Um, does, does anybody die of anything else anymore? That seems to be the rhetoric. Um, well, first of all, again, last year our flu deaths were 34,000. If we were to say Let's just assume that we misclassified every single flu death this year as COVID. Okay, take take away 50,000. It's still 200,000. It's still like five or six times, seven times higher than our, our, our yearly rate for flu. Um, and I, I think a lot of times they bunch in flu and pneumonia, um, which would, I mean, it's like 60,000. Either way, you could remove literally like all of that, and it's still way more. So... You can just kind of 
throw that out the window. But I did look up some numbers. Um, you know, COVID was over 200,000. And on this particular chart, they still have. Um, and this was from like US Facts, something something.org. I'd have to pull it up. The point is, they do have COVID. They've got lower chronic respiratory disease. They've got influenza slash pneumonia on there, somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty to twenty-five thousand. I don't know. It's a, it's a bar graph. And the the point is, like, yeah, people are doing their jobs and classifying deaths as is. People are dying of other things. It's just maybe not making the news because there's so much going on with coronavirus, with elections, with this and that. I mean, trying to fit in there a big title about you know, the total number of flu deaths or chronic lower respiratory disease deaths might just not be uh, an eye catcher, I guess. Anyway, aside from the fact that there's really no evidence of this happening where people are just calling things um, coronavirus, I mean, I've got a handful of pieces of things I'd like to read to you, and I'm not a big reader on the podcast, but sometimes I can't just put things into words. Um, this one states that there is no evidence supported by this claim, um, nor could any uh, of the team verify any instances of people being found asymptomatic for COVID carriers after death, meaning they couldn't find any instances where they didn't know that they had COVID, tested them later, found out they were um, positive for COVID, but didn't have symptoms. Without being able to analyze each test, each body, and test them individually for COVID-19, it's nearly impossible to prove that this hasn't happened. But Dr. Sally Aiken, the president of the National Association of Medical Examiners, said it's unlikely. She called the claim a conspiracy theory and said that medical examiners and coroners are not part of a conspiracy of death certification to classify all deaths as caused by COVID. I'm not sure why a person without symptoms coming into the hospital for a stroke would be tested for COVID-19 anyway. Um, and again, that may have changed since then. I, I don't know. But the point is, um, this just really isn't happening. Here, here's another piece. Um, death certificates are basically federal, and each state has public health division that answers to the U.S. Center of Disease Control and Prevention for death certification. Aiken, um, this uh, blah, 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 medal examiner, she, she told us in an email, for all practical purposes, death certification is directed by the feds via the health department. Medical examiners and coroners certify hundreds of thousands of deaths each year using investigation, autopsies, medical tests as required, and do not choose to default diagnosis to COVID-19. So again, aside from the lack of actual evidence that this is happening, we do have um, some fairly prominent people who are saying, yeah, it's not happening. Um, if you look all through the evidence, uh, it all seems to point this way. So if your idea, if your main argument that the coronavirus isn't serious is basically hinging on a lot of people lying and risking their jobs under what would essentially be considered a conspiracy theory, um, you know, you're going to have to provide some really solid evidence for that. Now, let's go ahead and move on to possibly, um, I don't know, one of the points that I find the most ridiculous, which is COVID is only serious to those with pre-existing conditions. And because those people have pre-existing conditions, that's why they died. Why are we calling everything COVID when people die with these other conditions? I think we saw the graphic that went around that said like 6% of people who died of COVID only had COVID. Um, therefore, the total death of COVID is actually only like 10,000 or whatever it was at the time. I don't remember. So the first thing that we have to think about when looking at these pre-existing conditions and the deaths for the coronavirus is who dies from the coronavirus. Um, typically, it is the people with pre-existing conditions, but also it's your it's your population over 65. 
I think it's also really important to note at this point, I'll take a little sidestep. You know, everybody wants to compare this to the flu. You also have to remember that the people that die from the flu are the same group of people. And if you wanted to apply those arguments to the coronavirus, you'd have to do the same thing for the flu. So of the 34,000 people who died of the flu, I think 30,000 of them were over 50. Um, and, and the huge bulk of them were over 65. And a lot of them had pre-existing conditions. So when you say that something isn't important because it only affects those with pre-existing conditions and then you want to subtract all these numbers, well, you should do the same thing for every disease. And then when you do the comparative, it's still going to be significantly more because if you removed every pre-existing um, condition or person over the age of a certain age for the flu, the flu would kill, I don't know, 4,000 people a year instead of 50. I mean, it, apples to apples. Anyway. The coronavirus kills mostly people over a certain age. I think we can safely say, you know, 50, 65, whatever it is. Those are the people super high at risk and those with pre-existing conditions. Now, who in the United States makes it to 65 without a pre-existing condition? I mean, whether that be some form of heart disease, whether that be a cancer, whether that be diabetes or asthma or your weight. I mean, who makes it... (laughs) to 65 without a pre-existing condition in the United States. So when this disease typically kills people over 65, and then you say, well, they had pre-existing conditions anyway. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really hard to say that they didn't have pre-existing conditions. Um, but when you see that these people could have lived longer, I mean, in many cases, you find a lot of people who die with, say, asthma or diabetes or whatever, And they would have lived for another 20 years, but because they got coronavirus, they died. Um, You can say, well, coronavirus was the cause of death in this particular case. And that's not my job to decide, but these people who've dedicated their lives to this profession, medical examiners, coroners, whoever is doing all of this work, they know what they're talking about when they're writing down a cause of death. They're not just winging it. Think about how much you know about your job. I mean, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you work in an office, whatever. But how much do you do that other people just don't even realize you do? How much do you know about what you do that you're like, wow, people just don't understand. People just don't understand. All these people in the medical industry, when they see all this crap flying around, they're like, oh my gosh, people just don't understand. They have no idea how I do my job. They have no idea why that's not possible. You have to understand, like look at it from your own perspective and understand that there's a lot about you that people don't understand. Just in the same way, medical examiners and coroners and these people who are doing this cause of death, when they hear all these things about people just saying stuff, they're going, oh my gosh, (laughs) if only it were that easy. If only I could just write coronavirus on everything and just be done with it. Um, So my example for this pre-existing conditions would be this. If you have a 70-year-old man, and let's just say for this example that he is very sick. He's a very sick 70-year-old man, and let's just say that he's going to die in two weeks. And he's walking home from a movie, and a thug jumps out from behind a building, takes his wallet, shoots the guy in the stomach, and leaves. And then this guy dies. Okay, now, in a court of law, if this guy comes up and he goes, Well, I shot that guy in the stomach, but if if he were healthy, he would have lived. I shouldn't be charged with murder because I shot him in the stomach, because under reasonable expectation, if that had been another person, they could have survived. We would all say, "Um, excuse me, you shot the guy and he died. It doesn't matter if somebody else would have lived. It doesn't matter what your intentions were. You shot him. He died. It's the same thing with these pre-existing conditions. Um, 
you know, yeah, these pre-existing conditions exist. Maybe they, uh, you know, maybe the disease wouldn't have killed them had they not had that disease, but it doesn't change the fact that the disease killed them. Um, in fact, a lot of the times coronavirus causes, uh, pneumonia and, and then people say, well, it's pneumonia. Well, it's this, well, people are, you know, it's very complicated. Um, there's a lot of preexisting conditions. There's a lot of unknowns. They fly around and, and we all want to pretend like we just know exactly what's causing these deaths. Or it's easy for us to throw our hands up in the air and say, well, who knows, who knows what it is because nobody knows anything. Um, well, the fact is these people do their job. They're very thorough. Uh, I believe it when they say that there are 250,000 total deaths from COVID this year. And until I'm, you know, convinced otherwise, all of the evidence, all of the professionals, all of the, the, the leads of their fields, they all say the same thing. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you with one final note. And I know that I've done a lot of comparing in this particular podcast, but I wish that people would stop comparing. I had to do the comparing because that's sort of how to answer these questions and concerns. But why do we feel like we need to compare the coronavirus deaths to something else? Why Why is that possible? Why do we have to say, well, how does it compare to the flu? And then is it passive? Well, how does that compare to cancer? Well, how does it compare to heart disease? There's always something bigger and worse. If, if that's going to be your judge or your comparison and you just, you know, basically you're looking for a reason to say that it's not. A big deal. What if when um, on September 11th, when airplanes flew into the World Trade Centers, and I think it was some somewhere around 3,000 people died, what if somebody got on social media and was like, 3,000? We're going to go to war for that, and we're going to do... It's just 3,000 people that died, guys. The flu kills like 35,000 people a year. I don't even see why people are so concerned. Everybody would have lost their fucking minds because that guy is an asshole, right? I don't think anybody would disagree with that. So why is it okay for us to say, well, all of these people who died, these 200,000 people, why are we even worried about that when heart disease kills 600,000? I mean, again, even if it was only 50,000, even if it was only 40,000, why do we feel the need to compare in order to decide what is important and, and how much loss of life we're willing to accept? Because at the end of the day... Really what it comes down to is your comparison is going to be based on something that helps you believe what you already want to believe. If you want to believe that the coronavirus wasn't that important or not that big of a deal and it's blown out of proportion, then you're going to pick something like heart disease and you're going to say it doesn't even barely compare. And if you want to make it sound incredibly dangerous and like it's the worst thing in the world, you're going to compare it to something even significantly smaller so that it looks like a big, big thing. Um, so the comparisons are pointless. Um, and to be honest with you, it's just not it's just not helpful so stop stop the comparing coronavirus it's a thing um, it kills a lot of people and it's not because of the testing it's not because we call it something else the fact of the matter is it is a disease and it kills people the end um, thank you for joining me um, my next particular uh, the next part in this series is going to be about mass and preventative measures um, if you want to join me for that one please feel free and i will catch you later